the, the personality they were moving towards was, uh, I believe it was ESFJ. You should be extroverted. You should be outgoing. My name is Aldo Martin, and this is the Reclamation Podcast. Okay, so as you guys know, we've been talking about the discipling dilemma uh, all season, and one of the contributors to the book is a gentleman by the name of Gene Vinzant. Gene, welcome to the program. And Gene is joining us today from... Thank you. I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Fayetteville, Arkansas. All right, man. Right. You know, the, the furthest west I've been is Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Maybe <laughs> maybe one of these days I'll venture out west and down south. Maybe. We'll see. We would love to, to have you. Yeah. Now, we spoke with uh, Mr. Howard Norton, who was just an absolute pleasure to speak with. And you had the pleasure of working with Mr. Norton on this book. That is correct. And there were two other gentlemen that worked on the book. One of them was uh, the late Don Vincent, your father, and Dr. Flavel Yakely, your father-in-law. That's right. And Howard, Mr. Howard Norton is also your cousin. That's right. <laughs> he, and, he and my dad were uh, first cousins, so it's very much a family project. Family affair. I was about to say, <laughs> yes. it should have it been called a family affair. So as I'm reading this book... It, there were a lot. A lot of it was 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 very easy to read, but towards the end, I was not able to really understand what was to be interpreted from the psychological test that was uh, performed. So I'm hoping maybe you can help us um, uh, discuss that. But but before we get into that, one of the roles that you played before, before being a contributor to the book, is that you worked with the Church Growth Institute as a research assistant. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what it does or did at the time? So it, that relates also to my father-in-law, Flavor Yakely. He was the director of that institute, and he had a lifelong interest in the subject of church growth and was sort of uh, the man to talk to about church growth in Churches of Christ. Churches of Christ, the traditional Churches of Christ, are very non-hierarchical. We don't have a headquarters, you know, and so forth. And so he was never the official <laughs> church growth person, but he was sort of the unofficial person. He had written books and was often quoted um, and so he had this institute at Abilene Christian University in Abilene, Texas. Later, he went to Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. And basically, he changed the name of it, but basically the institute went with him because it was him. And so I was in graduate school in the mid-1980s at Abilene Christian University, getting a Master's of Divinity. And so I was his research assistant for, uh, I think, about two years, maybe just been a year and a half. And so he pulled me into this project, and I helped do some of the research, uh, a lot of statistical information on what back then we all called the Boston Movement. And what year is this that we're talking? So this is 1985, 86, 87. 85, 86, 87. Uh, 
correct, well, not correct me, forgive me, but I like to date everything according to the movie Coming to America. So this is pre-Coming to America, as that was 1988. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, this book was published in 1988, the same year that Coming to America came out. It's done. Anyhow, anyhow. So this book comes about, and you're, you're, you're helping your father-in-law research this. Now, the test that that was used is the uh, Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, or MBTI for short. Can you tell us a little bit about that 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 uh, examination and, and what does it mean and what does it do? I can tell you a little about it, and that's Flavel had several different interests, and they all sort of came together in this book. He had that church growth interest. His actual PhD was in communication. But he also had this interest in the Myers-Briggs type indicator, the MBTI, for several years. And he actually did a lot of consulting uh, with corporations and different organizations on using the MBTI to understand their workforce and to help people find the job that fit them the best. He used it with churches to, again, help people find the volunteer opportunities that were best suited to their personality. So the the Myers-Briggs has a long history going back to the early part of the 20th century, and it's somewhat controversial. I'll just go ahead and say that not everyone likes it. Some psychologists, I've heard people compare it to a horoscope, you know, Whereas then there are others that really put a lot of stock in it. But basically, the theory of it is everyone has uh, different preferences as to how they interpret the world around them, how they perceive, and how they make decisions. And it breaks down into these four um, scales, extroversion versus introversion kind of the first scale, or E and I. The second one is sensing and intuition. These letters S and N, N because the I had already been used by introversion. The third scale is thinking versus feeling, T and F. And then the last scale, judging and perceiving, J and P. And the idea is you're on each of those scales, you're one or the other. And when you put that together, you end up with 16 possible combinations or personalities. And like I say, not everyone uh, buys into a lot of it. The theory is people are born with these personalities and that they don't really change. For instance, that even a young child is either extroverted or introverted. And over the course of their life, they may kind of learn how to how to be, how to pretend to be the other type, but they're always that one type deep down. (laughs) The analogy they often made was, he made, was to being right-handed or left-handed. If you're left-handed and people, you know, historically uh, left-handedness was looked down on. And so a lot of left-handers learned to use their right hand, but their preference was always for their left. They said the same thing with extrovert, introvert, or any of these others. In our culture, by the way, extroversion is valued over introversion. 
being gregarious, outgoing. In other cultures, such as Japan or Canada, introversion is more highly valued. That's a fair point. So people learn, so a lot of Americans have to kind of learn to be extroverted, even though they don't enjoy it. They would rather be introverted. You know, you 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 mentioned the analogy of being right-handed or left-handed, and I think that's a that's a strong analogy and a very clear one, because I'm I'm left-handed, right? Born left-handed, and my my family is from a nation that loves soccer, and so I was born left-handed. No one had an issue with that. Mm-hmm. So then, by the time I was old enough to, I guess, walk or or kick a soccer ball, I kicked with my left foot. And my father was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no son of mine is kicking with his left foot. So he made me kick with my right foot. And for my whole life, there was a set of confusion that I just didn't know when to, like, even when playing sports, like, it just, I didn't know which one to use. So it was, and then uh, I think by the time I was eight, I'm um, learning to play baseball at school. And I go up to bat, left side of the plate. The kids are like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And they switch my, uh, they have me bat right-handed. And that's why I never became a Major League Baseball player. I, that's exactly why. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's it. That's it right there. So <laughs> The rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. So one of the things that the book indicates is that the discipling movement was had a hierarchy. And the discipler is to be imitated and obeyed. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? How did you guys come to that conclusion? Now, I know that you're speaking from, I know that you're speaking from a little bit of your perspective and what you recall from uh, working with Dr. Yakely, but what do you remember about that? That's right. And I and I should say, he, he is the one to ask a lot of these questions, but unfortunately, he's no longer with us. And, and even the last few years, he was, you know, his memory had deteriorated. But I did, you know, I, I spoke with him about these things often, heard him give presentations on it. And so I can't tell you exactly what he thought, but I kind of feel like I know in general is what his answers would be. As far as the hierarchical nature of the movement, I feel like that was never really a point of contention. In other words, they didn't deny it. They said, well, yes, it is. There is a discipler. There is the person being discipled, and that's the way it should be. So it wasn't, I don't feel like that was something they hid from. They they thought it was a wonderful way to do things. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this now. The, the book claims that the members are controlled in such a way that their personalities are changed to conform to the norm of the group. And that's a powerful statement, but that speaks to the nature of the Myers-Briggs type indicator exam. Yes. And even more specifically, not just the group, but a particular individual at the top of the group. (laughs) So sort of a pyramid. (laughs) And by the way, I think there are some analogies (laughs) that can be made between this group and multi-level marketing. Dr. Yakely actually wrote that in one of the first few pages of the book. He 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 actually used the term multi-level marketing, but go on, go on. Um, and so there's at the top of the pyramid, there's clearly an individual 
and that gets passed down down line, as they say in multi-level marketing, that there are certain traits, certain personality traits that are preferable. So the way he identified this was by having over 800 members of the Boston Church of Christ take the Myers-Briggs type indicator, the MBTI. Wait, you know what? Before you even get there, how did we get there? <laughs> how how did that how did that come about that he was able to test 800 uh, over 800 people how did that happen totally and, and they did it in total cooperation with him so to be honest i'm not sure who made the initial contact i think he may have contacted them it's they knew who he was and he said he wanted to do this study in retrospect it's really amazing that they agreed to it and I'm sure they regretted it after the book came out. But they somehow thought it would vindicate them. And and by they, you're talking about the Boston Movement leadership. The Boston Movement. And um, they knew he was going to be even-handed and fair, which I think he was. It was just part of his nature to be very scientific and non-biased. And they thought that would show them in a good light. So they agreed uh, when he when he asked if he could give the test to over 800 members of the Boston Church. Not only take the test once, they each took the test three times. He asked them to take it first the way they would have answered these questions five years previously or before they had joined the movement, how they answer them now and how they hope to answer them five years from now. So. And that was a little bit unorthodox way to give the indicator. But at any, at any rate, um, the way the results came back is every, almost everyone <laughs> of, of those who took it, they were on a trajectory to all become the same personality of those 16. There were certain traits that they were moving towards and saw it as a favorable thing. Why would that be of concern? The concern is because in a healthy individual, you don't really change your personality. You can kind of pretend some of us are in work situations uh, that require us to be a certain personality to get things done or because our boss expects it. Then you go home and you kind of revert to your own preferences. But if someone is constantly <laughs> telling you or you're telling yourself, I have to become a different personality, I have to become an extrovert, even though I'm introverted. It's like your dad telling you to kick with your left foot um, when that's not really what you're comfortable with or what you're best at. And so in, a help, in any group, organization, church, you have a mix of these 16 personalities they're not usually evenly distributed, by the way. There are certain personalities that are a little overrepresented and some are underrepresented. And by the way, a lot of corporations he found kind of do the same thing. The founder, you know, so if it's a Steve Jobs, not that he did this for, for Apple, but <laughs> you kind of see that people that you tend to hire people that are like you and have the qualities you identify with. But he found this to a very disturbing degree. And he did these, he, 
to have a basis of comparison, he also did this same thing, having people take it three times, people who were not part of the Boston movement, but were part of other religious groups. Okay. The Church of Christ, but he also did it with a group of Catholics, Methodists, Baptists, and none of them showed this same pattern. I'm glad you said that because he also tested other groups. Yes. Go go on. <laughs> well, and some others have, have done this kind of replicated what he did with groups that are clearly identified as cults and have found the same pattern he found at the Boston Church. In the book, it mentioned that um, that uh, the same type of test was, was conducted with members of the Church of Scientology. And and the results were the same as 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 with the members of the the Boston movement. I I don't know what that means. I just know that it should raise an eyebrow. No, definitely. Yeah, the the personality they were moving towards was uh, I believe it was ESFJ. Everyone should. <laughs> so you should be extroverted. You should be outgoing which ties in with kind of this evangelistic strategy. You should be friendly to people you meet. So, so you're telling us now what the, um, cause the test was conducted three times with, with, with an individual and the individual was asked how they would answer these, these questions five years prior to joining the church, how they would answer the questions now at the moment and how they think they'll answer these questions in the near future. Is that right? That's right. And and what was found is when they were asked about how they hope to answer it in the near future or even currently, a lot of the answers pointed towards a personality type. That out of, you know, if you think of these 16 boxes or, or you know, a, a spreadsheet with 16 sorting hats, <laughs> compare it to a Harry Potter uh, there are these 16 houses, you know, and everybody is wanting to get into the same one. One of them is seen as better than the others. Ooh, look at this. I, I like that, man. That helped me out a lot. So one of the personality types has the initials ESFJ. Correct. And that's where a lot of the tests were, or the results of the tests were were, were pointing towards. And that's right. ESFJ, the E stands for extroverted. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so if you're introverted, well, you need to change that. You need, <laughs> you know, that's that's basically what they're telling people. You need to become more outgoing. You need to talk to strangers on the bus or subway or just out in public and introduce yourself and invite them to church or invite them to a Bible study. Um, and you're made to feel very out of line if you don't inferior to be honest i'm as as a member former member i I could tell you yeah out of line sure but inferior is 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 is, uh is more precise um i'm wondering if some of the listeners would agree with me on that but Uh that's definitely my experience but go on or maybe even being rebellious you know having an unrepentant heart or other kind of spiritual terms thrown in there and by the way, Heath Flavel was an introvert himself. He spoke publicly and, you know, interacted with people, but he was a very introverted person one-on-one. And so he kind of took that personally. They were <laughs> dissing, you know, on his his type. 
So the, the second uh, scale there, the S, which is for sensing, and the N for intuiting. And that has to do with whether you are very kind of practical, down to earth, is sort of the S. The N is more abstract, intuitive, big picture. So you could compare it to the, the S is like <laughs> seeing the trees and the N is seeing the forest. So sensing, practical. So ex- Sensing being very practical, pragmatic. So, so far we have extroverted and sensing, uh, uh, pragmatic. The third one, thinking, feeling. So are you a very logical type person or do you tend to make decisions based on how it affects people, which is the feeling? And feeling was the preferred one there. Thinkers tend to sometimes, because of their logic, they challenge things often and question things. So don't question too much. Um, then the last scale. Oh, can, can, can I guess the last one? Can I guess the last one? So, so far we got ESF, extroverted, sensing, feeling, and the J has got to be Jesus. <laughs> Well, we're, we're getting to that because that was their, uh, well, well, I'll come back to that. But J is judging. P is perceiving. And a lot of people, they hear that judging, they're thinking, well, no one should be judgmental. That's not really what it was talking about. It's talking, of, it has to do with uh, whether you are someone who comes to decisions quickly and likes things kind of nailed down. Uh, and, and often this is, these are people also who are very organized. They like everything to be in its place. That's J. P, on the other hand, is much more spontaneous, flexible. Hey, let's leave it open-ended. Who says we have to nail everything down? Uh, we, it's okay to have unanswered questions. And, you know, who, who wants to make a plan for their vacation? Let's just go out and see what happens. The J, though, they have like a time schedule, you know, of how we're going to enjoy ourselves. So J, J is, is a lot more concrete. Concrete and also just, you could say, organized. So we got these personality types, and that's what uh, uh, people in the, you know, Boston movement were, were moving towards. And so when he told them that, they didn't really flat. When he told the leaders of the Boston movement, Flavel told them, this is what's happening. Everyone is sort of converging, moving from what they were before towards what they are now and what they want to be, which is ESFJ. And, and the reaction of the Boston leaders was, well, that must be the personality that Jesus was. Next time on The Reclamation. It's almost tantamount to telling someone you're a mistake. (laughs) Something about you is off and you need to change who you are fundamentally. And that's potentially uh, damaging psychologically. Absolutely. 